the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the Daily Show Prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Sorry, folks, the uh, microphone was not set up properly, and you heard behind-the-scenes noises give you a real insight into the Dennis Prager Show. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. It's a very strange year. Well, well, you had a lot of strange years recently, but for different reasons. The strangeness of this one is its speed, and if you think it's because I'm getting old, uh, it is something every young person I've spoken to has experienced as well. Can't explain it. God, there is a lot to talk to you about. There is a new documentary out about the George Floyd death. I have, I don't believe I ever said murder, and I'm not sure I ever said killed. I've said death because I knew from the outset that there was no intent to kill George Floyd because I saw the video, the whole video, the one, it was open to the public. I assume it's still on the internet. And you can see how decently the man was treated prior to what everybody saw with the knee on the side of the neck. And how he was saying he couldn't breathe at that time, and how they basically begged him to get into the police car, and he wouldn't. And I remember reading at the time that the original coroner report, autopsy report, was that he did not die of strangulation. And that it was, in fact, police procedure to put the knee on the side of the neck. It is not something that Derek Chauvin made up. And then the police chief lied. He just flat out lied that this was not Minneapolis police procedure. And you have all these former Minneapolis police saying, of course that was standard procedure. That's exactly what we did. He flat out lied. The mayor flat out lied. Truth is not a left-wing value. Truth is not a value when you're a coward. Do you know what courage means? Do you know the definition of courage? I have come to a new definition. The old ones are correct. But uh, the, the a, a really good working definition of courage is telling the truth. 
That alone takes courage. We're going to have a woman who made uh, a film, a documentary on on what happened. I raise this in part because of the documentary and in part because Derek Chauvin was stabbed in prison to be a, a policeman in prison, especially a white policeman, uh, is to risk being murdered. Dostoevsky said that you could judge a society by how it, one of the ways you can judge a society is by how it runs its prisons. If he was right, we, uh, we, are, we are not doing well morally. So what, what do they do to him? They put him in solitary confinement to protect him. Has any information come out about who attacked him? Well, why is that? If you're if you're already in prison, you're you're, you're spared publicity. I don't they know. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe they don't know. That's correct. Okay. The uh, the Rand Corporation. Have you all heard of the Rand Corporation? It's one of the leading think tanks, most prestigious think tanks in the United States. It's founded, I believe, uh, yeah, 75 years ago, 1948, by General Curtis LeMay, General Henry Arnold, and Donald Douglas, founder of what became aerospace manufacturer McDonnell Douglas to blend, quote, scrupulous nonpartisanship with rigorous fact-based analysis, unquote, in advising the United States Air Force. Since then, Rand has become a key policy advisor to the Department of Defense and to governments and corporations worldwide. And the left has destroyed Rand. Everything the left touches, it destroys. And this is the latest. This is from National Review. Rand Corporation, America's most prominent, avowedly nonpartisan think tank and the leading policy advisor to the Pentagon, has gone all in on DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. We're committed to building and sustaining a culture that integrates DEI principles into our everyday operations and engagements. The RAND website proclaims. Wow. So much for RAND. RAND. This is a major setback for U.S. defense, economic, and health care policy, as well as for unbiased analysis. In 2022, Rand finalized plans for its Center to Advance Racial Equity Policy. You are watching America deteriorate in real time. The pro-Hamas demonstrations are one example of many. Under its new president, Jason Matheny, 
Rand's website includes extensive information on its DEI commitment and activities and conspicuously declares at least twice, quote, At Rand, we strive to cultivate a community. As soon as I hear cultivate a community, I know we're in for anti-community rhetoric that embraces diversity, equity, and inclusion as central to our culture, our values of quality and objectivity, and our mission to serve the public interest. As the writer at National Review, formerly with Rand, concludes, this is a platitude. DEI is the antithesis of merit and objectivity. God, this man, Jason Matheny, he sleeps well at night, another enduring example of the weakness of the human conscience. He lied here. It's just a lie. You can't have commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and commitment to objectivity and merit at the same time. You either choose by race or by whatever you're choosing, or you choose by merit. They're not the same thing. It's going to be a little scary to fly with United Airlines in the future because they announced, what is it, two years ago now, that they were reserving half of their flight school spaces for women and people of color. I have zero issue. I fly every week. On average, I fly every week. If I don't fly one week, then I fly more than one once the next week. I'm flying, let's see, this week I'm going to St. Louis. Next week I'm going to New York. So I fly a lot, including United. I don't care if my pilot is white or black or anything in between. I don't care if my pilot is a male. I don't care if she's a female. I do care if they're chosen on anything other than merit. And so do you. And by the way, so do blacks and women. I think black passengers are happy to know that the pilot was in there because of affirmative action. I think women are happy to learn that the female pilot was there because of affirmative action. (laughs) God. Now Rand is gone. Jason Matheny. I'd like to know what he really believes. We return. I'm Dennis Prager. My friends, I want to tell you about one of the most influential books of my life. In fact, it's on my list of the 10 books that most influenced me. And it's just been re-released. George Gilder's Men and Marriage. George Gilder has been clear about the stakes for the family since 1974. Fifty years later, the need of the hour remains. Men who take responsibility for themselves, men who love their wives, men who raise their own children, men who tackle the workforce, motivated by their family and the needs of others. Without fathers, our civilization will simply sink back into the Stone Age. We need to bring dads back, or else. Get your copy of George Gilder's classic book, Men and Marriage, today at dadsareback.com. Civilization is built by men with families to feed. Yep, without the dads, we're toast. Get George Gilder's book at dadsareback.com. 
is more in the Middle East. I have great problems with Israel's agreement to cease fire during the hostage taking, hostages returning. Why isn't this an invitation to just always take hostages? I mean, it's very painful because there are so many of them and the families are going crazy, obviously. It's very hard to fight evil. I'll get to that. This is from the Daily Mail. Transgender swimmer at Ramapo College in New Jersey Liberal Arts College, Megan Cortez Fields, smashes women's 100-yard butterfly record after competing in the men's team for three years. Of course, I know the butterfly. No, it's 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 all chest muscles that men have much more shoulder and ch- I know, I know, yeah. If I do one stroke of the butterfly, I am rushed to an emergency room. The senior was initially congratulated on social media by her school. See, I, I I'm not blaming Daily Mail for writing her, but my my preferred is his her. Because he, he's a phony. The guy's a phony. Just like the uh, Leah Thomas, the, the phony at the pen. You know, there's a direct link between lying about gender as there is about lying about the Middle East. Once you begin to lie, it doesn't stop. And the left is a world of lies. The day you realize that, you leave the left. Truth and the left are antithetical because it's not a left-wing value. Do you think it's fair, by the way? Do you think that? Even if you think men can become women, which they cannot, they can identify as such, but you cannot become the other sex. It's not possible. That's a lie already. It's a lie. But do you think it's fair if, if someone who says he is a woman can then compete with, in women's sports? Why does that not end the point of women's sports? Riley Gaines, the great uh, courageous young woman who is a champion NCAA swimmer, Those who choose to remain blind to the injustice of allowing mediocre male athletes to become record-breaking female athletes are either incompetent or misogynists, she told Fox News. There is no in-between anymore. See, she has courage. What? What is her courage? She tells the truth. That's, That's right. Women are being asked to smile and step aside and allow these men onto our teams, all the while stripping us of opportunities, privacy, and safety. She also claimed the tattoo on Cortez Field's body, which shows a nude woman with male genitalia, was evidence of a, quote, fetishized and sexualized movement. Can you imagine that? A guy has a a tattoo of a woman with a penis.
we in the last half century we have produced more sick Americans than percentage wise than at any time in American history. And people still continue to claim that we're we're doing a good thing by aiming for a fully secularized society. There were fewer sick Americans when more Americans went to church. There were fewer morally confused Americans when Americans went to church. There were morally confused people who did go to church. Anyone who went to church and said slavery is okay was morally confused. That's a long time ago, however. I'm talking about, let's say, the 20th century. Oh, boy. It's funny, the, the school congratulated this phony... Megan Cortez Fields. I would give a lot of money to know Megan Cortez Fields' background. Was it a happy home? Was it a healthy home? Was a father intact? This is not a natural evolution. See, If you have a son who says he's gay, that was not overwhelmingly not likely to be socially induced. It's physiologically induced. I don't believe it's in the genes, but at some point, because a man who is not attracted to women at all and is attracted to men that is not something society can convince you of. Not one man listening to this broadcast who is heterosexual can be persuaded or be socially induced to become a homosexual. But in this case, this proliferation of men who think they're women and even more so women, young women who think they're men, that's, that's a product overwhelmingly of society, not of the person's nature. There's a story out of England that a judge ruled that parents cannot block a 17-year-old daughter's desire to have her breast surgically removed. The girl can't smoke a cigarette, but she can do that. There are many good reasons to buy gold and silver, bank failures, digital currency, volatility, emerging market countries trying to topple the dollar as a global reserve currency. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed, Coin and Bullion, my choice for precious metals. If you ask my friend and AmFed owner Nick Grovich to simplify the case for precious metals, he'll tell you when President Roosevelt recalled the gold in circulation and paid people with paper money, they received a $20 bill for a $20 gold piece. Today, that $20 bill won't even fill half of your gas tank. But the gold piece 
is worth about $2,000, which would you rather own? So let's simplify the reasons to use Amfed coin and bullion. Nick's been in this industry over 42 years, and he's proud of providing transparency and fair pricing to build trusted relationships. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick and his team at Amfed coin and bullion, 800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. That's a phenomenon. The amount of things that the left destroys. It is a sick world that has taken over every, every, virtually every major institution. Here's one for you. You ready? The Denver School District is among the first in the country to adopt a language justice policy as a long-term goal. Oh, it's... Much of my life, I have noted that whenever you put an adjective in front of justice, it's no longer justice. Like social justice has nothing to do, nothing to do with justice. Racial justice, social justice, environmental justice. What are the other? What are the other justices with adjectives? There, there, there must be so many. So this is now language justice. So if you're in Denver, listen to this. In fact, if you're anywhere in the country, you should listen. Because it's coming to your state soon, your city, because teachers' unions are out to ruin the country. They are out to hurt kids and hurt the country. That they have deluded themselves into thinking that they help kids is fine. There is no bad movement in history that has not said it is doing good. Can you name a movement that says we do bad? The district would encourage non-English speaking students to be able to use their native language to learn as opposed to being educated in English, which advocates say is oppressive and rooted in racism. Mm, this sounds like it's overwhelmingly coming from female teachers who are in the vanguard of ruining children's lives, just as men are in the vanguard of committing murder and mayhem in the violence realm. Women are in the vanguard of ruining society in the nonviolent realm. Both sexes Uh, do damage, and specialize in their own arena of specialty in doing damage. This is from the perverted notion of, or perverted expression of a beautiful thing called nurturing. We're going to nurture the students who speak foreign languages. We won't insist that they learn English. The question, what is good for society, is a conservative question. It is not good for society if people are not unified by English. Do you remember years ago, there was a motion in Congress to unofficially, there was no, well, officially, but not with any legal ramification. Do you remember this? Declare English America's language? And the Democrats opposed it. This is not new. And it had no teeth. It was just a statement 
English is the language of the United States of America, and it couldn't pass. Because the Democrats who have ruined the country throughout their history, remember that was the pro-slavery party, that was the pro-Jim Crow party, and it is the pro-Rec-America party today. They don't want kids to be officially taught in English. This is an astonishing, even for me, this is an astonishing story. Denver schools had about 90,000 students in 2022 with 35,000 multilingual learners with home languages other than English. The district has 200 languages spoken across the district with Spanish as the home language for the majority of those. The district included a draft of an equity document that includes a policy statement on language justice. Well, I guess I am for language injustice, right? Because I think they should be taught in English. It was included in the November 16th school board agenda. The document includes this definition for language justice. Quote, the notion of respecting every individual's fundamental language rights to be able to communicate, understand, and be understood in the language in which they prefer and feel most articulate and powerful. So if you speak Thai and your teacher doesn't, what are you supposed to do? Hmm? What what are you what are you to do? You speak Thai. We have to hire a Thai teacher. Do you hire a Thai teacher for that student? We return. Stand for Children. That is the name of the group in Colorado. It's Orwellian. Crap on children. Ruin children's futures. Ruin America. That's the real name of this group. Stand for Children, Colorado. Language justice. I'm on their website. Language justice is defined as a commitment to ensuring all voices are heard and understood. In the process of community engagement, it is more than having access to translators and interpreters. It is a practice to create inclusive and equitable spaces within Denver public schools so that community, families, students, and staff can participate in the language of their heart. Oh, wow, the language of their heart. Wow. That's a new one. I had not heard that phrase before. What is the language of my heart? Hmm, I hadn't thought about that. All I could say is I thank God that my parents did not grow up in a left-wing America. They grew up in traditional America where you were expected to learn English so that you could become a fully functioning American citizen and so that Americans could communicate with one another without wearing headphones, which is what they're doing. How are Americans supposed to communicate? Compete with it, not compete. Well, compete as well, to be honest. But communicate with one another if they're all speaking the language of their heart. 
English is the one you, you can't have diversity without unity of language. Then the diversity just causes chaos. Ah, but chaos. That is the product and the only product of the left. Language justice has been a practice stand for children, strives to deliver in all spaces we hold for community. Aren't they at all self-conscious about the language that they use? Normal people don't say this. Spaces, equity, language of their heart, ensuring all voices be heard and understood in the process of community engagement. We believe that if people communicate and understand content in the language of their heart, power is secured to make meaningful change. Do you understand what that means? No one does. No one does. Power is secured to make meaningful change. What is even meaningful change? What well, I, I don't understand any of it. Even though Stand works hard to attain all resources like interpreters, translators of translations, and equipment to deliver a language language just space. Wow, a language just space. Is it a dash? No, no, it's not a dash. It should be. You're right. Language just space. Space. Language justice. See, these people have nothing going on in terms of meaning. They're overwhelmingly secular. And they're overwhelmingly well-to-do, or at least comfortable. They're not rich, but they're comfortable, certainly by universal standards. And remember my equation. Secularism plus affluence equals boredom. And boredom is the mother of chaos. We recognize that there are other spaces that families engage in. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever use the phrase, I engage in a space? Do you even know what it means? Okay. that might not uphold the same practice to ensure that we are promoting positive and equitable changes in institutions that surround our community. The stand team is focused on securing a policy to promote and ensure language justice is practiced in Denver public schools. That's what we need. So I was mentioning my grandparents. I thank God that my parents did not grow up with language justice. They grew up in the belief that the whole point of the public school, it was founded in order to assimilate all the people from around the world who would come to the United States. And the great vehicle was English. My parents' parents, my father's parents in particular, did not speak English. They spoke a Jewish language called Yiddish, a combination of German and and Hebrew, basically, using Hebrew letters. 
But my father went to public school in Brooklyn, New York, and learned English so well, he became an officer in the U.S. Navy during World War II. And his son became a public speaker and radio talk show host. Had there been language justice, there's a good chance I would not be doing this work. Language justice. What have we achieved in DPS, Denver Public Schools? We are thrilled that after months of collaboration with Board President Xochitl Gaitan, X-O-C-H-I-T-L. That's interesting. I'm going to look up. Can you look up Joshitl Ketan for me? X-O-C-H-I-T-L. Board member Carrie Olson and district leaders. Language justice was added as a priority to an ends statement focused on equity in Denver public schools. Wow. Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop at the pillow. Mike also created the Giza Dream bed sheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's latest deal is the sale of the year for a limited time. You'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Podcasts Square, and use the promo code Prager. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Call 800-761-6302 or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager. Hello everybody, I'm Dennis Prager. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. I would love to have an hour, I wonder if we could do it, on how did things go at your Thanksgiving meal. How many people didn't show up, how many people showed up, left early, how many people showed up and you had an argument with, how many people showed up and it turned out great. Really? Do it now? Because I have so much to cover. All right, I'll do it. We had a vote here. Well, why don't you cover some stuff now? Yeah, so that's it. So this is what we'll do. Yeah, I'm really curious because if we don't do it today, we're not going to do it. That's correct. All right, so I'm going to clear lines. Forgive me, folks. And I would like to know how your Thanksgiving went philosophically. That would be very interesting. One eight Prager seven seven six. That it, uh, in the meantime, I want to just remind you that last hour, I talked about a number of items, including the Denver public schools now have invented language justice. 
it is wrong to insist that students learn English. They should communicate and be understood in the language of their heart. That is exactly their phraseology. Anything that ruins America unity, American identity, is good for the left. The left only destroys. You must understand that. That's all it does. By the way, I don't understand, what is it to have a right to be understood in your language? What does that mean? There are 200 languages, what are the, is that what they said in the article? 200 languages spoken in, in Denver area? So since nobody can uh, master 200 languages, it's tough to master two, and increasingly tough to master one, given what teachers' unions have done to wreck schools. It's amazing that people are not prepared to say teachers' unions hurt children. You know why? Because it goes so against what we want to believe, that teachers are there for children. I wonder, will they have drag queen story hours in various languages now? Because if, if the drag queen story hour is in English, it's not language justice. Yes, I read to you about a, uh, what was it, a New Jersey college that another man who says was a mediocre male swimmer says he's a woman and now he's broken all the records at the school, disenfranchising the women, and that's fine with the left. I have said from the beginning feminism was disinterested in helping women. It was interested in anger at men. I said that 40 years ago. Yeah. I also said the lockdowns were the greatest international mistake ever made. said that in April of 2020. It's on the internet. You could check it out. If you've just listened to me for the last 40 years, you'd have a pretty clear view of the world. Did you read the New York Times editorial on the Middle East, The Only Way Forward? No. So he has not read it, my producer, which is amazing because he reads a lot. So let me explain to you that this entire editorial said nothing. I'm sorry? I think I did and came to that conclusion. Right, right. So you forgot that you did because you can't remember what it said. Yeah. It is not memorable. I know. They should be nice to each other. That was the editorial. So So here is the bad news. While you folks are calling in on how Thanksgiving went philosophically and familiarly and friendlily, friendlily, So here, you know, I read comments on articles. 
in order to comment on a New York Times article, as I always point out, you have to be a New York Times subscriber. You can't just comment. I, you have two choices, reader's picks and newest. If you click on newest, you get the latest one written. If you click on reader's choice, you get the ones with the most likes. So I always go to reader's picks. The first four in popularity on this article. If this, if this doesn't worry you, nothing will. Number one. Number one most popular comment, New York Times editorial, November 25th, 2023. The most popular comment. For anything to change, the U.S. must abandon its unconditional support for whatever Israel wants to do and become an advocate for peace and justice. See, because supporting Israel is not an advocate of peace and justice. Okay? Number two most popular. If one side presents biblical commandments as legal justification of their claim to land, I cannot say I'm going to be overly convinced. Really? Like that's the argument? Did you know, sir, O ye foolish one, did you know that Israel was founded by completely secular Jews who no more believed God promised the Jews that land than you do? Half of Israel doesn't believe that, at least. And if you do believe it, it has nothing to do with the issue. That is, not the, that is not the issue. There are 52 Muslim states that can't be one Jewish. There are 22 Arab states that can't be one Jewish one the size of New Jersey. Jews were living in that land six, let's see, six, 2,500 years before Muhammad. 2,500 years before there was an, a Muslim, an Islam, a Quran, a Muhammad, there were Jews there. Number three, most popular comment on the New York Times editorial. Even in the long term, I don't see how the Zionist project survives. A state presenting itself as democratic yet prefer- preferential to a specific religious or ethnic group is untenable eventually. Okay, so there's no, no chance. You know how pure Japan is? Do you know how much more pure ethnically Japan is than Israel? Israel has blacks, Israel has Arabs, I- Israel has whites. Israel is so much more mixed ethnically than Japan. How come Japan is has survived? It's a stupid comment, but this man undoubtedly went to college and learned this claptrap from the New York Times. And the fourth most uh, popular comment on the on the New York Times editorial, I do wish that my tax dollars did not go to support either side. It is not my fight. And I wish we Americans would stay out of this foreign conflict. 
That's it. So if Israel's destroyed, what the hell do I care? Not my business. That was my column last week. I'm for America first. But apparently a fair number of people who believe in America first believe in America only. And I don't believe in that. Okay, when we return, I am going to go to your calls. Very curious how it went for you. The country has not been this divided since slavery. We return in a moment. I'm Dennis Prager. All right. How did your Thanksgiving go? I'm intensely curious. All right. Let's see. In Hollywood, California, Marty, hello. Uh, Yeah, Dennis. It uh, was interesting. uh, Okay, one minute. One minute. Whenever I hear interesting, I know it's not good. (laughs) Well, we're living in interesting times. Exactly. In any case, um, I challenged this person that they were brainwashed in the 1960s in college, and I went to college at the same time, and I gave them a challenge. I said, uh, go on YouTube, a former KGB agent named Yuri Bezmenov, B-E-Z-M-E-N-O-V, has a number of Um, interviews where he says how the Russians systematically brainwashed Americans through that generation. This was pre-planned. He goes into extreme detail on a number of these um, um, interviews, and he's done it in other countries. And he talks about how it worked far. Well, first, I'm I'm more curious about your meal. So who (laughs) was this person a relative or a friend? Uh, just a friend. Okay. How long have you been friends? About 16 years. And was this the first rift? No. We've talked before about it, but we've kind of agreed to disagree, so we, we haven't talked about it too much. And what That's is the... What, give me two yeah. examples of disagreement. Uh, basically, that... Um, um, the colleges were not out to subvert how people thought or have an agenda, and I thought it was quite obvious to anybody it's obvious. So he, he denied that colleges were left-wing institutions? Exactly. Okay, and okay, well, give me another example. Um, politically, I voted, um, I reluctantly voted for Trump. Um, it turned out I thought he did a very good job. He has an irrational hatred of Trump. Right. Um, so there, was there an argument at the meal? Um, yeah, he, he thought it was rubbish that this was a KGB plan. That Right. Well, yeah, pr- that probably wasn't the best idea to say it was a KGB plan. Well, you didn't, you didn't need the KGB. Yeah, believe me, just well, Americans are ruining America. Uh, well, as a result of uh, what Yuri Bezmenov... Right, no, Yuri today. Bezmenov, I'm familiar with that. Yuri Bezmenov, I know, I know, you're right. But Yuri Bezmenov is is use, very useful because everything he said has come about. Whether it is because of Russian influence or not is debatable. 
but it doesn't matter. He, he described what Americans will think. So I just want to know one more thing. So did he stay the whole time? Was it an unpleasant meal? Oh, not really. Well, it would, we finally stopped because the people around us start laughing, and it, and it would, we all knew where right. it was going to go. So. Okay, fair enough. All right, let's uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, well, let's get a good report. Portland, Oregon. Pat, hello. Hey, Dennis. Yep. Hey, awesome, awesome Thanksgiving. Wow. I, it, yeah, I can't, I'm still glowing from it. Who was there? Uh, uh, all of our kids and our granddaughters. How many kids <laughs> do you have? Four and two granddaughters. And they all share your values? I am a non-chauvinist pig alpha male. And when I talk, they give me the respect that I've gained over the years from listening at feet of very wise men, even when I was a five, six-year-old. And I took it in, and I shared it, and unbelievable. Just, uh, it was my birthday to boot, so... Uh, my kid showed up, surprised me. I took my breath away. Well, I'm happy to hear it. You know, I ask uh, parents that I meet, grandparents that I meet, what's your batting average with your children? And they know exactly what I'm asking. What What is your batting average in retaining, having them retain your values? And this has been my uh, generalized response. One-third, the children all have retained the parents' values. One-third, all the children have rejected the parents' values. And one-third, some or half, let's say, did and half didn't. So it's a minority in my experience, this is not scientific, but in my experience, it is a minority of parents whose children have all retained their traditional values. Okay, let's go to... Let's go to Fairfield. I don't know where that is even. Fairfield. Where's Fairfield, California? Oh, Dennis, I've called you before. It's Travis Air Force Base. Okay. Why didn't I remember? Because you have millions of people. Thank anyway, you. Excuse That's my correct. voice. Yes. Excuse my voice. I got a cold for my grandbaby. Mm-hmm. But so my son and his wife, she's a hardcore Democrat. So are her parents. And um, no religion, nothing. Okay. My son is a independent, you know, on the fence, a weenie. He doesn't know, he doesn't listen to, he doesn't know the facts, what's going on in the world, because he'd rather fish. <laughs> right. And I tell, I tell him ignorance is bliss. And um, he, he works for the Fed's Department of Fish and Wildlife up in, up in Port, um, Humboldt County. Anyway. My sister-in-law came hardcore, hardcore Republican, my husband and I, 
hardcore. So how, how was the dinner? How would you rate it on a 1 to 10? 10. Good. Okay. See? It exists, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Dennis Prager here. You may have read or heard or seen that Derek Chauvin, the man accused of killing or murdering George Floyd, was stabbed in prison. I commented on this in the first hour. I noted that Dostoevsky, the great Russian novelist and philosopher, said that among the things that you could judge a society by is how they treat people in prisons. If that is true, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, we're not doing well. That a police officer knows he is likely to be attacked, killed, maimed, and that therefore they're often put in solitary confinement, added to the fact that I have believed from the outset that he is not guilty of murder. And now we have a uh, a film that is truly significant and that you can see it for free on Rumble. We want to show that you want to show the trailer? Yeah. Okay, let's show the trailer. We don't stand for the truth. The murder of George Floyd. Murder. Murder and manslaughter. The murder of George Floyd. Peaceful protest overnight in the Twin Cities. They've been very peaceful. The crowd continues to be peaceful. 846, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. 9 minutes and 29 seconds. Actually, 8 minutes and 46 seconds. By the way, that particular technique is not authorized by the NMPD. Is this a trained Minneapolis Police Department technique? It is not. When I heard that, I really wanted to get up off my chair and yell, bullshit. I've seen of the videotape and the photograph in the police training manual, they look pretty identical. Were you trained in MRT, the maximal restraint technique? Yes. 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 These are police All the police officers. officers were trained in the MRT. Former police George officers. Floyd says, I got shot last time. I got shot the same way as officers before. Did you shoot him? No, I didn't shoot him. No. You helped to train Officer Alex King. What did you think of him? I probably trained a few thousand people. He was probably one of the top two. Give me a minute. 
Yeah, you gotta see the film. This call is from a federal prison. Hi, Derek, it's Liz. Fall of Minneapolis, perfectly named. She hosts the new documentary, The Fall of Minneapolis, Liz Cullen. She's an Emmy Award-winning reporter. Now with the good folks at Alpha News, she wrote the book, They're Lying, The Media, The Left, and the Death of George Floyd. We are bathing, swimming, and drowning in a sea of lies on the, from the left, like men can become women. I never once said that Derek Chauvin murdered or even killed George Floyd because it was so obvious that it was a technique that they had used that you don't sever a person's breathing from the side of the neck. And I had read early on that the original autopsy said he was not asphyxiated. And then they lied because the thing that takes most courage is truth. The definition of courage is telling the truth. Well, I have Liz Cullen on. You can see this terrific film, The Fall of Minneapolis, for free on Rumble. Liz, Liz Cullen, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Dennis, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. How did you react when you heard Derek Chauvin was stabbed? Absolutely terrible, terrible news uh, that that we heard Friday night, uh, hours after it happened. Uh, Sort of the whole goal behind this, uh, Dennis, was to set the record straight and and to tell the the truth. Um, Obviously, we're heartbroken uh, by what transpired and still awaiting details. We know that his family was just told of what happened today, nearly three days after that, that attack in the federal facility in Tucson, where he's been held for the last 15 months. Has he been in solitary confinement? Do you know? He actually ha- has not been. Uh, he has a, a job there and, and has worked uh, outside his, his cell quite a bit. Uh, it's a medium, uh, medium security facility. Uh, he actually ended up pleading uh, guilty to the federal charges in this case to be held at a, a federal facility. Um, sadly, it was uh, you know quite, quite a ways away from his family uh, in the Minnesota area. Uh, of course, but there was really no problems. His, his mom had had visited him several times, and he's a you know obviously a former police officer and has military experience as well, and always felt uh, safe. So we were all just shocked uh, to to hear the news that that happened on Friday. Do we know who did it? No, there are actually very few details. In fact, his uh, mother finally, if you can imagine, for, for three days, she was calling uh, all kinds of different agencies every every few minutes, didn't sleep for, for three days. And uh, she finally got through today, uh, Monday morning, uh, to someone with the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And all they could tell her is that he is stable. And when he is able to make a call, uh, he will call her. We don't know uh, the facility where he is. Uh, around the Tucson area. We also know that he has some sort of protection uh, where he is. Um, and we've reached out again to the Federal Bureau of Prisons for, for more. Uh, we know that visitors are not allowed at the facility currently. Uh, they're in a, you know, a lockdown of sorts. Uh, so something we'll, of course, continue to follow. Well, uh, I am about to say one of the most 
politically incorrect comments a human could make in the United States of America. I feel bad for that man. Oh, I, I think um, even even all along with, with this, Dennis, um, our point was to to show uh, that this incident and, and all of this was made into something that the facts did not uh, support. Just a bit of background about me. I'm a was a longtime uh, member of the mainstream media. I was a longtime news anchor um, at the station in Minneapolis, the CBS station. Uh, I, I was demoted. I lost my anchor position through this, um, being married to a Minneapolis uh, police officer. And uh, but more than anything, really, I was I was troubled by this narrative that the media uh, kept peddling. Right, that this is the most racist uh, interaction that's ever taken place uh, with, with police before, uh, ignoring the fact that it's a black police officer who arrested uh, George Floyd. Body camera footage is hidden from the public. Uh, in this case, the very first time that's ever happened in Minneapolis uh, police history. Body camera footage that shows a, a very different picture than the viral uh, Facebook video uh, that that we were shown for months how did how did i see which is the, the the way i came to many of my conclusions how did i see at the time is it been taken down i saw a 45 minute or so video of how they treated him so decently uh, and tried to get him into a police car after he, he had tried to uh, at least allegedly pass a counterfeit money uh, and he kept saying, I can't breathe, but he wouldn't go into the police car. Do you know what video I'm referring to? Yeah, so it was about two and a half months um, after the incident where it was leaked uh, by an international news agency. Um, it was basically allowed to be viewed by reporters who would sign up to see the body camera footage um, at the Hennepin County Courthouse, and someone uh, leaked it through there, and then it was put online and quickly taken down. Uh, but this, for the first time, really is the entire video um, that we start the documentary, The Fall of Minneapolis, out with. This is an 18-minute in, in total interaction that takes place with George Floyd, um, where, where you are seeing you know, that he is not complying, and there are many lies sort of told uh, along the way by George Floyd, by Minnesota uh, so-called leaders uh, here, etc., so that is interesting. I saw a video which was taken down. Yeah, still to this day, it's actually quite difficult to find the uh, body camera footage. We luckily saved saved it um, early on. But th these are the questions I'm sort of trying to bring to, to the public. Why? Perhaps you should be upset. Why weren't you told the, the truth about this? Why were you uh, swayed in, in a way to, to, to think this way when there was so much more to, to this story, and, and there's so much contained just in that, that body camera footage. Uh, I know we'll talk about the, the autopsy as well. Um, also, Derek Chauvin's uh, trial. Of course, we know he was found guilty of the, the three charges, uh, but not so much about what the jury was allowed to see, Dennis, but what they were not, what was kept out um, of the actual trial. And that includes this uh, maximal restraint technique, which we refer to in the trailer that your audience uh, j just listened to. But but yeah, this this MRT, which is also something the officers are talking about um, in, in the body camera footage. Uh, also, 36 seconds after George Floyd himself asks to be laid on the ground, you have Thomas Lane clearly making a call to... to all right. Master. All right. Let me I remind everybody, around. the movie, the film is The Fall of Minneapolis. It's on Rumble. Eh, 
and I am back with Liz Cullen. She is the host of the new documentary out. You can watch it on Rumble. Every American, if every American watched this, it would change the country. That's how important it is. The Fall of Minneapolis. Also, you can read her book. It's based on her book, They're Lying, The Media, the Left, and the Death of George Floyd. I've, I've believed this from the very beginning. And because there's something liberating in life if all you care about is truth. And uh, very few people are preoccupied with truth. I'm sorry to say, but that's the human condition I made peace with. The uh, lousy state of human nature when I was uh, in high school. So Liz, back to you. Uh, There are so many uh, separate issues, separate components to all of this. What the the giveaways to me were the video that I apparently didn't realize would be taken down, but I did see about how the officers treated him and how he said he couldn't breathe before anything was done to him and how well they treated him uh, prior to the little video that we did see, the eight minutes or so. That and reading that the autopsy report was changed. So please guide my listeners through the autopsy report issue. Yeah, Dennis, so you have uh, the autopsy that is done on George Floyd 12 hours uh, after his death uh, by Hennepin County Medical Examiner uh, Dr. Andrew Baker. But keep in mind, the public isn't allowed to see that autopsy for nearly a week after parts of Minneapolis uh, burn to the ground. Uh, pe- people are, are hurt and die in the riots in, in Minneapolis that, that spread over into St. Paul as well. Uh, so you have instead um, these behind-the-scenes meetings that take place, basically, between prosecutors and the Hennepin County Medical Examiner, and they're all documented. The FBI is also there. So this is all part of the public record uh, that I was, you know, kind of tracking as a reporter, but it didn't seem that the media uh, cared much about what was what was happening. So in the in that, you have very early on, uh, Dr. Baker comes back with uh, no asphyxiation, no strangulation. Uh, he did not watch the viral Facebook video before this autopsy. Three times the lethal let limit of uh, fentanyl in George Floyd's system, along with uh, high levels of methamphetamine. Uh, He had a bad heart, a 75% blockage in one artery, a tumor that uh, it seems was not uh, tested, that that there's more about that in in the film as well. Um, You know, medical experts have kind of framed this as George Floyd is a bit of a a ticking time bomb. Uh, Unfortunately, there's so much going on. He just uh, had recovered from from COVID. Um, So, so you see the pressure that Dr. Baker, who even actually admits on the stand uh, that the pressure he is under um, when it comes to, to this autopsy, and he's uh, very actually open uh, about that. So bringing some of that, that public documentation uh, to light and questioning why it's withheld again from the, the public for so long. Okay, so I want to really walk through this for as great a clarity as we can have. How do we know that the original report said he was not asphyxiated by Derek Chauvin? We have his original uh, report, and then you have um, these handwritten documents uh, that that prosecutors are basically keeping notes as they're meeting again and again with Dr. Baker, um, and and sort of things are, are 
be, being highlighted, if you will. This is when we see um, some different things uh, being put in the, the headline of, of the autopsy report, complicated by law enforcement uh, restraint, uh, thing, things of that nature. Dr. Baker, in his own words, says that if George Floyd is found anywhere, uh, this would be called an, an overdose if he was found uh, alone at, at home. What was the jury made aware of with regard to the first autopsy report? I think like so with so much of this case, many things were just sort of uh, glossed over. Um, this was a, you know, any type of information like this is complex uh, to to understand. And I also talk about just what's going on with, with prosecutors here. Again, you have a, a very uh, left-leaning uh, Keith Ellison, our attorney general in Minnesota, who took over the prosecution in this case, Dennis. He took uh, the case after the Hennepin County prosecutors did not want to charge the three other officers in the case. They did not feel that there was any facts to support those charges, and they withdrew from the case. So you have uh, the attorney general come in and, and take over, along with what he calls his dream team uh, of lawyers he assembled. They start creating uh, conflicts of interest in, in the case, calling uh, different uh, medical professionals, medical examiners. Um, so, th- so the defense has very few choices when it comes to finding uh, a, a medical examiner to even take the stand in Derek Chauvin's offense because of this conflict of interest that, that's been created. So I talk about that quite a bit in, in the book. Also, haystacking is, is used in this case quite a bit by prosecutors. Um, a lot of files that are in well-organized uh, zip drives that are turned over in, to the defense uh, only after being printed and all of the papers being mixed up just before uh, a, a court hearing. So a lot of things, a lot of tactics were, were being used that I think pit, many people would consider questionable. Okay, but I, I maybe there's no answer to this, but I, I got to go back to the original question. Was the jury made aware of the fact that the original autopsy said he was not killed by Derek Chauvin? Well, the autopsy doesn't clear, clearly just... Uh, okay, it said he wasn't... Forget Derek Chauvin, that he was not killed yeah. by asphyxiation. They were aware there is... Yeah, there, that, is, that is highlighted. That is, was in the trial? Yes. So they found him guilty despite the fact that the autopsy report was changed? They, they found him guilty. Mm-hmm. I th- And I also think that there is... Again, so much that the, the jury was not allowed to see, Dennis. We talk about this 18-minute interaction with George Floyd. and uh, So I saw on the seconds. internet what the jury was not allowed to see? Correct. Correct. They saw about 90 seconds of the body camera. Why were they, they not allowed to see? Not, Why were they not allowed the, to see those that? Those are rulings, rulings made by uh, the judge in this case, uh, judge, judge Cahill, who we highlight quite a bit in the, in the documentary as well. Folks, you have an and I also all right, I got to I don't want to miss a word that you have to say. So we're going to take a break. I want to remind people the fall of Minneapolis is this critically important documentary. It is up at Rumble on you, on the internet. Woman who is courageous, talented and exposing one of the most disgraceful episodes in American history, the, the burning of much of the country, the rioting based on a lie, that racism killed George Floyd. Not even sure he was killed. And uh, the, the story of it is all in this documentary.
the fall of Minneapolis. You could go to straight to Rumble or just click on the link at DennisPrager.com. It's all based on her book, They're Lying, The Media, The Left, and the Death of George Floyd. The, the mayhem caused in this country based on the lie. I said, maybe at least 40 years ago, I wrote it for UCLA Journal, which wouldn't print me today, but did then. The root of evil is lies. Not even love of money. That is a root, no question. There is no greater source of evil than lies. And that's what we have been living through. Men can become women, and George Floyd was murdered by Derek Chauvin who was stabbed, by the way. We don't know how serious his condition is while in medium security prison just this past weekend. So thus far we've established, I'm back with you, Liz, thus far we've established that, which even even I knew early on, let alone you, I might have known it through you for that matter, that the autopsy report revealed originally that he was not, killed by asphyxiation the um, your title is so right they're lying it it, they my dear listener is everybody involved when I see the then police chief saying this was not part of Minneapolis Police Department procedure the knee on the side of the neck to to restrain someone it's interesting when you see it in your video, he doesn't look at anyone like the like the not perfect liar. He looks down. Did you did you notice that? What was he asked on the witness stand? Yeah, that that was during uh, Derek Chauvin's trial. And you also had the head of training, uh, Katie Blackwell is her name, who is now the uh, she was an inspector at the time. She's now the assistant police chief in Minneapolis testify again under oath that, that this was not a part of, of training. And, and I know we were um, taking a commercial break b- before Dennis, but that was the other thing I was about to say is that this MRT, this maximal restraint technique, uh, the training slide was not allowed in by Judge Cahill in this case either. Uh, so that that's a big part of j- jurors went by what they were told, um, you know, uh, on the witness stand, of course, by the police chief and, and the head of uh, training at at the time. I'm quiet because I, I, I'm, I'm digesting so much evil. So I have so many questions. First of all, is there no case that someone could make of perjury against this woman and against that man? Dennis, you're asking a lot of the questions I've been asking for a very long, long time, one, one would think. Um, but with it, with this MRT you have in, in the film, The Fall of Minneapolis, you have Derek's own mom uh, holding his training manuals in both contain references to MRT, and they both show this diagram that is very similar 
uh, to, to what was going on. But again, I go back always to those body camera videos. I think that if uh, the very next day they would have released the body camera footage, they could have had a press conference and sort of gone frame by frame, you know, minute by minute here. We simply wouldn't be having this this conversation uh, t- today. Uh, you also, you know, again, have these officers referencing MRT in the actual video uh, itself. But then 10 months later, when Derek Chauvin uh, is put up for murder, um, it, it can't be a part of the conversation. Where is that police chief now? Is he still police chief? He uh, has since retired. I know he's still still around Minneapolis, though. Yes, still holds an elected uh, official position um, on a different a different board. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the judge. The number of judges in this country who would have flourished under Stalin is very large. I'm sorry to say. The documentary, The Fall of Minneapolis, just out. You can link it. There's a link at DennisPrager.com or go straight to Rumble. Her book is There Lying, The Media, The Left, and the Death of George Floyd. For me. The, uh, the world of the lies of the left, it is a world of lies. It always has been since the Russian Revolution. That's why Lenin named the Soviet communist newspaper Pravda, which means truth. Truth is what the left says it is. There is no objective truth on the left. Men are not born men. Men say they're men. Women say they're women. They're not really born it. It's what the left says you are. And the same holds true with the the body of lies surrounding the death of George Floyd. It's all lies. The whole world of lies that they had. So I... uh, I have to say, this judge strikes me as a despicable human being. I hate to say it. It really bothers me. I've sort of romanticized America much of my life. I realize we've actually produced a lot of rotten human beings. And that's that's the way it is. When you grow up, you have to face reality. So all these things that the judge denied, the judge did not allow, let me review this, among other things. The judge did not allow the jury to see the police manual that instructed MRT, is that what it's called, maximum restraint technique? Yes, that's that's correct. Correct. Uh, judge uh, Peter Cahill is his name, uh, still on the bench in, in Hennepin County. And what was his reasoning? Uh, well, this is uh, it gets a little nuanced. He says that uh, there was no proof that Derek Chauvin uh, took this training uh, because on the day, the last day that uh, Minneapolis police, from what I understand, uh, had this had this actual training in front of them, uh, they couldn't find Derek Chauvin's name on the sign up sheet. Um, however, even Derek is very, uh, has kind of a photographic memory when it comes to his police manuals and could recite off many, many different, uh, policies and, and, you know, how they, these are obviously, uh, manuals that are hundreds of pages and he has many of it memorized. So that was the, the reasoning, but this is also the judge that gave the jury, uh, 14 pages of jury instructions, uh, before the, the case even began, which was also, uh, very rare to see in any case. And again, a jury that was not sequestered, Dennis, a, a jury that was allowed sort of paraded in and out each day as, uh, the, the courthouse in Hennepin County in the same place, uh, that 
you know, so much had burned to the ground just months earlier, uh, ringed with uh, barbed wire and uh, National Guardsmen um, stand, standing there as well. So what kind of message do you think that sent to the jury each and every day? And who ruled that the trial could not be moved to a neutral location? That was uh, Judge Peter K. Hill as well. What do you know about this judge? Uh, you know, it's just uh, fr- from from the story itself, just through through this case, he's had quite a bit to say uh, since since this case. Um, some different trainings and such that have been. Um, found online uh, talking quite a bit about uh, racial justice and being a racial justice warrior uh, in a way. So those things are are out there that have been featured before. But I think it's just these questionable rulings that that many of us who believe in in the justice system um, perhaps would would question. You also have Maxine Waters, who comes to town uh, for, for a protest that takes place during Derek Chauvin's trial. Uh, she's saying people need to stay on the streets and, and keep demanding things and, and being loud and, and whatnot. You have the next day, uh, Derek Chauvin's defense attorney asked for a mistrial. Um, and Judge Cahill says nobody cares what a, a congresswoman has to has to say, sort of carry on. Uh, so there are many, many examples of, of questionable rulings here. Was he elected or appointed? Um, he would have he would be elected. I, I believe in Hennepin County, and I, and I do apologize. I don't know a great deal uh, about him beyond uh, the, this case itself. Yeah, I, I'm very interested in him. Actually, I wonder. And, and actually, he yeah. may be. He may be appointed. It's a. It's a good question. I will go and, and fact check that. Right. Okay. That's fine. What What was the argument with regard to the first autopsy report? Why Why was that not allowed? Uh, there wasn't really. Uh, again, we have a we have sort of a David and Goliath situation playing out in court. Uh, there wasn't much of a fight put up for many of these things um, because you had this one defense attorney uh, representing Derek Chauvin, and you have two floors, I should say, of the Hennepin County Government Center uh, that is turned over to the the prosecution in this case. Two floors, if you can imagine, never been done before in any murder case um, in, in Hennepin County that uh, these uh, these lawyers are allowed uh, to work, many of them pro bono lawyers volunteering their time uh, to convict this police officer. And who was behind that, Keith Ellenson? Yeah, I think that so much of this um, also traces back to Keith Ellison, again, the top law enforcement officer as attorney general in Minnesota with a long history that the media never wanted to talk about uh, of hating uh, the police. We get into that quite a bit in the in the book and, and the documentary as well. Uh, th- this is someone who represented gang members uh, for much of his career uh, as an attorney uh, before becoming attorney general. And he was very vocal about his uh, hatred of of police, in fact, representing someone involved with the execution of a Minneapolis uh, police officer uh, from decades ago. But the media sort of ignored that that role uh, in all all of this. What's the story? Uh, It's hazy to me. You may know more. With regard to the Supreme Court and Derek Chauvin? Yes. So uh, it was interesting timing just with all of this, uh, putting out putting out the documentary just the middle of November. It was on a a Thursday and then it was the following Monday uh, that the U.S. Supreme Court said 
that they would not take this case. They, already the Minnesota uh, Court of Appeals said that they would not grant Derek Chauvin an appeal, and this was um, his, his new attorney uh, appealed on the change of venue uh, position. And then uh, once the Minnesota Supreme Court came back with that, uh, he, they tried to petition the U.S. Supreme Court uh, to, take, to take the case. But then just on Monday, they came back and said, you know, nope, we're not taking this case. But there was no sort of uh, written um, explanation as to as Was to there an explanation then, with regard to the Minnesota courts? Yes, and basically just saying that Derek Chauvin received a fair trial in in that um, the decision uh, from from the Minnesota State. All right, Supreme we'll be Court. back in a moment. Final segment coming up: Liz Cullen, her documentary, "The Fall of Minneapolis." Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial free every single day become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.